Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the podcast, CEO of the Arkansas Food Bank and Washita alumna, Rhonda Sanders, from the class of 1983, shares about the important work of food banking, how things have changed during the coronavirus pandemic, and a few of her favorite Washita memories, including Walt's mashed potatoes and life in O.C. Bailey. All right, Rhonda, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yes, great to have you here. Now, uh, how long have you been at the Arkansas Food Bank? Tell me about that. I've been here at the Arkansas Food Bank for a little over seven years. Okay. Tell me about your career path, how you ended up at the food bank. <laughs> um, it's one of those uh, things, you know, career paths take lots of different different uh, ways of going. Uh, I actually worked at the uh, State Health Department for a while, uh, and part of my work there was uh, child health policy and on, with the WIC program. And from there, I went to Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families. And that was where I really got a taste for nutrition, uh, children's health, even more experience there. And that really kind of fed into that uh, that desire to continue to work on uh, food issues for people. And uh, after working at that nonprofit for many years, I had a chance to be the executive director of the Arkansas Hunger Relief Alliance. Uh, and that was my first opportunity to be at a nonprofit and to actually lead that nonprofit. I did that for four years, and that's where I learned about food banking. And I really kind of fell in love with it, and uh, felt like that was something that I could spend the uh, next several years of my career path doing. Wonderful. How does the alliance and the food bank do they work together? How does that work? Yes, we work together. The uh, Hunger Relief Alliance was actually formed by the Feeding America Food Banks there in Arkansas back in uh, 2007, 6-7 uh, timeframe. Uh, and they were formed to allow them to work together as a statewide type of network. So they're like an association where, you know, uh, the physicians have an association and trial lawyers have an association. Well, the Arkansas Hunger Relief Alliance is an association for food banks in the state. Uh, and then... Each of us food banks have a lot of food pantries and agencies and local organizations to help us. So uh, it, it is an association that does some lobbying, uh, some joint fundraising, uh, joint food raising to help the food banks. Great. How many food banks are there in the state? How many are a part of the alliance? Uh, there are five Feeding America food banks that cover the entire state. And then there are some... Uh, organizations that associate with each of us to do that. And then there are, the Arkansas Food Bank covers 33 counties, and it actually has 320 local agencies, food kitchens, uh, soup kitchens, pantries, things like that. Wow. Yeah. Tell me how the food bank works. I think I saw a video the other day, you were telling, you know, how far a dollar would go or $5 would go. Tell us uh, what the food bank does. Yeah. Uh, food banking is always a little surprising to people. What most people visualize is going to your church pantry or your community pantry and someone giving someone a box or two or three boxes of food to help them get through a period of time. But what the food bank does, though, is one step up from that. We actually work uh, in our service areas with national partners, 
to acquire food and to store it. I have a 76,000 square foot facility here and we're almost ready to open an additional 15,000 square feet uh, that we use to uh, get food, store it, process it and get it ready so those local agencies that everybody thinks about can come and get the food to take and give to people. So we are a distribution hub. If you think of the Walmart distribution centers or Target distribution centers, that's what we are for uh, the charitable food system. Okay. And I know I've seen actual distributions from the food bank, and then you also distribute to your partners. How does that, how does that work? Mostly we dist- distribute to our partners, uh, our agencies. That's our number one way because it's very difficult. I sit in Little Rock. We serve a Eudora Lake Village. We serve Union County, uh, El Dorado. It's hard to get down there on a regular basis. So our agencies are our arms and legs out in those communities that are serving. Uh, so mostly we provide food to those agencies. There are times, however, that we do direct distributions uh, directly to clients. It could be that a county has lost some of their food pantries for some reason, or the need is overwhelming, like it has been during our COVID response. Uh, we provided a lot of direct distributions in April uh, because some of our pantries had to close. Many of them were run by those who are elderly. And it was just too risky for them to be open. Uh, so we had to directly go to the community and serve a lot more than what we normally do. Speaking of that, you know, how is what you do and what the food bank does, how has that changed during the coronavirus pandemic? I know you've done a couple of those uh, direct service kind of uh, events, but I'm sure there's tons of ways that your, your roles have changed there. Tell us about how things have changed. It really has been a game changer for us. Uh, as, as I was saying, typically a pantry will come to us or we have a fleet of trucks that deliver to them. They would normally get on our shopping list. We call it a shopping list. It's a, it's a list of food that we have. And they can access it and place an order and we put it on pallets and we take big forklifts and load it on trucks and we take it out to them and they box it. Uh, that's a very efficient way of doing things and utilizing the resources. Well, during uh, the pandemic, uh, like I, I mentioned, many of our agencies had to close. Almost a third of them had to close. And then some of them needed more food than they normally needed because they had so much, so many clients. Um, what we ended up doing was actually pre-boxing food. So instead of sending it out on pallets and then boxing it, we boxed it internally and then sent it out or directly delivered it. That way we could be very safe for everyone doing it. We took the exact number of boxes that we thought we could handle. The cars drove through, opened the trunk, put it in it, and we didn't have any contact with the client to keep us safe and keep them safe. So it really uh, it flipped our model almost overnight uh, to where uh, we where we hardly ever made boxes of food uh, in an eight week time period. We packed forty thousand boxes of food and delivered. It was quite a, it's been quite an experience. Yeah, I feel like that's got to be a big change for you and you're, you know, directing folks to try to navigate all of that. seems like a lot. Uh, it is that you have to learn to be flexible and you have to uh, be willing to change very quickly. So. <laughs> Does most of your food come from 
you know, big corporate partners and that sort of thing? Or does food come from individuals at all? What, what does that look like? It comes from all over. Uh, one of our largest uh, donors are our retail store partners like Walmart, Parks, Kroger's. Uh, we distribute around 30 million pounds of food a year. And almost a third of it comes from retail. Uh, you know, whatever is going out of date, a produce, it's about to go bad, things like that. Um, what was interesting during the pandemic is, is that all that food got purchased. In the month of March, there was nothing left on the store shelf. So that was kind of a double whammy for us. The need increased at the same time as one of our major food sources decreased some because it was all purchased. But we do that. Uh, we have some large food drives. That's actually a small portion of the food we get. Uh, and we do get government commodities for historical purposes back during the original Great Depression when they created the program where the government bought a product from farmers and from producers in order to stabilize the market for them. That still happens today. There is a government program called TPAC or the Commodities Program and the government purchases uh, to levelize markets. Uh, so that, that food is wonderful product that we get. Uh, and then the other source of our food comes through our national partnerships with Feeding America. And we are able through them to draw in a lot of national uh, donors, as well as our locals, Skippy Peanut Butter, Riceland, uh, many of those donors, Tyson's that are local, we, all, we also get from them. How long has Feeding America been around? Ooh, 19, mid-70s. And, and most of the food banking in the United States started in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and then the food banks themselves formed Feeding America to be a partnership, a network for us to share and to learn from each other. Yeah, I love seeing the partnerships with Food Network stars, you know, talking about Feeding America, all their programs. Oh, Feeding America has done a phenomenal job of representing uh, the food banks during this, during this pandemic. It's been pretty cool. That's great. Hey, what do you love most about your work there at the food bank? My work here at the food bank has been a, a wonderful blend of my entire life. Uh, it has a very strong faith-based component to it. Uh, I grew up in a, my dad's a Baptist preacher. So I grew up in a home where service and faith and uh, caring for others was taught and lived. Uh, so I've always had that part of me. Uh, and then I got an accounting degree. Washington and uh, food banking has a lot of business model to it. While it has that component of service and being a nonprofit, we operate like a business. You know, I have a huge inventory system. You know, we're uh, we're bringing in product at the cost that we purchased it, and you know, first in, first out. All of those inventory controls, all of those components of business that operate. Uh, so I, I, I like pulling those pieces in. And then, uh, you know, the other, the other pieces of my life is I've learned about nutrition and, and health and stuff, knowing uh, how much good food means to people being able to learn and to work. Uh, it, just, it just brings the whole piece together for me. And that's what, that's what I love about it. Nice. How many folks work there with you in the food bank? Like, what is your staff like? We have about 60 people. Uh, there is, we have a branch office in Warren, and we have 
two two full-time and one part-time there. And then we have about 58 full-time people here in Little Rock. Yeah, but it's a lot of uh, stocking and in that sort of thing, keeping up with what you've got on hand. It's a lot of fun. You go out in the warehouse and there's forklifts running. There's uh, We will have, some days we've had up to 11 or 12 semi-truck loads, loads of food coming in. Uh, that they're unloading, that they're receiving, they're putting it up in racks. Uh, and then, of course, we have, you know, multiple orders each day that go out. You know, we'll have 30, 40, 50 orders that go out every day to agencies. So it's a constant. Uh, you don't go out there without being careful. You might be hit by a forklift. I bet. Is there a volunteer component at all? Do people come to help or is it all maintained by your staff there? Yeah, no, it is. Uh, we have a huge volunteer component. Uh, last year, we had 13,000 volunteers come through our building uh, that brought us 36,000 plus hours of work. We would literally have to hire 25 to 30 people to make up the difference of what our, what our volunteers do for us. Uh, the food that comes in the door often has to be sorted. They sort, they put it in the boxes, they weigh it label it uh, we're doing a lot more produce now they're bagging the produce so it's just a variety of things that are very very critical to our work we could not do it without our volunteers now speaking of that how can we as a washtaw alumni family help the food bank and help what you do oh there's lots of different ways that uh, washtaw can get involved uh, would love to have any of my washtaw friends and some of them already have been here uh, come and volunteer. Um, we have different organizations that are led by, they come in, and, I'm surprised, oh, that's a, a Washtar grad is leading that group and they're coming in and they're volunteering. So that is always available and you can go on the website and find those opportunities. Uh, you can hold food drives and, and bring in food that way. We do value a lot having canned goods, canned protein, things like that. Um, we also obviously enjoy having fund drops, the, uh, the monetary support. And that's where when you were asking, how do you do that? Take a dollar and turn it into food for five meals. Well, because of all those uh, relationships, our buying power, we can take that dollar and often turn it into a lot more food uh, than other people can. That's just uh, because we have a lot of great partnerships and ways to leverage those. Uh, so those are different ways that uh, people can get involved with this. Uh, and it's always fun seeing some of my old friends. That's great. Now, shifting gears to your Washtaw experience, I wanted to find out a little bit more about your time at Washtaw. How did you hear about Washtaw, and how did you choose Washtaw for college? Uh, I think I mentioned that my dad was a Baptist minister, and uh, he, uh, he felt a real calling when I was in about the uh, first, second grade. Uh, he felt a calling to go into the chaplain's corps and be a Navy chaplain. Uh, but in order to do that, he had to get a degree from an accredited university. He had been to our seminary, but they did not have the formal accreditation that the military would accept. So uh, he came to Washita when I was in the second grade. Uh, we were at Fair Play, which is down close to Linwood, and he would drive to Washita and go to school every day. And I can vividly remember being in the second grade and coming to the Washtenaw campus with him and sitting in his college classes with him. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Uh, just loved it, loved it. 
And uh, really from that point, uh, that was where I was in really college. There was really very little doubt. Uh, our, his career then took us on into the Navy. He uh, became a chaplain in the Navy. And I actually graduated high school from Los Alamitos, California. And uh, at that point in time, I was like, well, you know, I've always wanted to go back to Washington, but do I want to stay here and go to USC or some big college in California? Uh, it sounds kind of odd, deciding between USC and Washington. But, uh, but no, that was where my heart really was. Uh, I wanted to come to Washington. I did spend two years after that in the Philippines with my parents when they went there. And then I came directly back and uh, went through my four years at Washita. So there was that was there was never really any doubt that I was going to go to Washita. That's fun. I know you have your master's in public health and have had so many different experiences. But how do you feel Washita prepared you for your work and maybe especially your work at the food bank? Oh, uh, it, in many ways, you know the the family that is there. Uh, there was always someone there who helped you get through it all. Uh, your professors knew if you were in class or if you weren't, and they checked in on you to make sure you were doing the best that you could. Uh, the uh, the education that you got just in life in general uh, was great. Uh, you know, just it, it just gets you prepared for going out uh, into the world. It really does. There are times when I was there, I would laugh about being in the Washita bubble. Uh, because it does kind of put a little shield over you, uh, does everything that it can to uh, protect you uh, and guide you during those years when uh, you can certainly get off track during that time. Uh, but, you know, it gives you both the educational background and it continues when you come from a home like I did, uh, have a spiritual background, it still continues to give you that as you're in college, uh, you know, and, and keep you. Uh, on that track as a as a person and as a Christian. A lot of my friends question going to a Christian school. Is it the best thing to go to a Christian school or a public school? And I, I used to tell them, I felt like it was like bowling with the kitty bumpers in. Yep. You know, <laughs> I, I was learning in a safe environment and free to think and to explore things. But I was always, you know, surrounded by professors who I knew were going to teach me from that faith-based background. Yes, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. And that's exactly what it is. You know, all, all college students are going to want to uh, take those challenges and risk and, and think differently, uh, and we need to. Definitely. What did you enjoy most about your time as a student here on campus? Oh, wow. Um, that's been a long time. You know, <laughs> um, I think the, the things that I look back on the most and remember are uh, the campus itself. Love to, uh, I guess every student, student still do this hang out at the top of the stairs at the student union between classes. Um, loved being a Chi Delta. A lot of some very fond memories of, uh, of the social club and of, of being a Chi Delta and watching football. Uh, and I think one of the years that I was there, we, we, we did extremely well one of those years. And it was a lot of fun. I remember all those fond memories. Um, you know, there's just so many. From uh, the Sunday night movies, uh, I don't know if they still do those anymore, but they used to have Sunday night movies where we'd all go in and watch a movie. And it, you know, just all the uh, uh, the campus life, the knowing people. It, it was so nice to walk across campus and everywhere you went, you knew someone. There weren't a lot of strangers in your life, uh, so it was really special to have that. 
Nice. Hey, we have a, a tradition on the podcast. You know, we've been going for about a month. So, you know, a really long tradition of, uh, we call it fast fave fives, just five questions about Washtaw and just kind of get your, uh, your thoughts and your feedback and hear a little bit of your Washtaw story. So the first thing I was going to ask is what's your, what was your favorite thing to eat at Walt's cafeteria? Do you remember going to the calf? Oh, do I ever? We, we didn't have a lot of options back then, you know. Uh, mashed potatoes, what else? I mean, he always had cream potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I think there's so much, you know, you, you deal with food all, you know, all the time there where you work and, you know, food brings people together. And so many people have these memories of being in the calf and, and what that's like. And the, did they have big, long tables when you were there? Yes, big, long tables. You went through that line. There weren't a lot of choices. You pretty much ate what was there. There, you know, there were only a handful of places to go in town. Uh, they're just, I mean, you ate at the cafeteria. That's where you ate, you know. Yeah, I heard when our um, our new food service folks, you know, came on board, you know, Walt had left and they were looking around and asking the, the cooks there where all the spices were. And they said, oh, Walt doesn't let us use spices. <laughs> no, you spiced it up with your salt and pepper when you got it at the table. That was it. That's what you got. <laughs> Uh, who was a favorite professor? My favorite was Mrs. Wright, Maggie Wright. She was phenomenal. Uh, she uh, probably made the biggest difference in my career. Uh, she may not ever, she'll never probably realize it. I think I did write her a letter, though, I will say, uh, several years afterwards. I was a counting major. Um, I wasn't the best accounting major. Uh, I was in a class with Gene Wittenheim. He's the best accounting. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she made us and highly encouraged us to take a computer programming class. This was back, I graduated in uh, 83. So this was in 79, 80, probably 81, I guess. And, you know, computers were just coming of age back then. Yeah, but she said, this is the way the future's going. You need to understand this and really pushed us to all take one. And I did. I went over to Henderson at a summer school class, and I took basic programming. And uh, that literally gave me a springboard for the rest of my career. Uh, when I first got a job as an accountant and a bookkeeper, I had some knowledge of computer programming. Uh, for my first probably five years of my career, I ended up being asked to put uh, books online. Uh, they had had their financial services uh, were contracted out. They wanted to put them online. I had an understanding of computers and how they worked and what they did. And it has really uh, paid off for me in my personal career. And I just, I've always thought that was so insightful of her to uh, be able to see that and know that. And she pushed us to do that. It was not a requirement at all. It was not something we had to do to get our degree. She knew it was for our best interest. And it was. It really was. That's great. I'm sure uh, Dr. Charles Wright will love hearing that too, listening to the podcast. They're, they were such a great couple and, and you know, Dr. Wright made such an impact on my life too. So I'm sure he'll love hearing that. Uh, you talked about a couple places on campus. What's your favorite spot on the Washtaw campus? It's always at the top of those stairs where we'd hang out at the student union. You know, I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. And we would just hang out and talk and visit. And um, it's always, always a lot of fun there. I got to stay um, uh, right there on Central Campus, O.C. Bailey. I was fortunate enough to get in O.C. Bailey early. 
And so that just that hub of the campus was always for everything that happened. And it was just, it was great. Yeah, that, you know, OC Bailey is still there. What a, it's such a great location right on the river. Oh, it was wonderful. I mean, we all, everybody waited to get in OC Bailey. And here it had community baths. It was the oldest campus. I mean, you know, um, the more people were waiting in line, hoping to get in. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get in OC Bailey and, uh, you know, just loved it. That's great. Now, I know you've been in a few Tiger Toon shows. What was your favorite Tiger Toon show? We won't even go back to the very first one because that uh, our freshman class was the first, um, and we were terrible, so I don't even want to talk about it. But uh, <laughs> I was trying to think back. I, I think it was probably the year that the Kai Deltas were the clowns. Uh, we had the best time doing that. We, you know, I, I thoroughly loved it. Uh, I think by the time uh, my senior year rolled around, Tiger Kids had really kind of figured out what it was about and uh, how to do it. Uh, I also always remembered that Beta always came up with some of the most fun, unique things. There was something about men singing together that was always just really cool. Uh, and I want to say I remember one of them where they did it, like they were work workers, construction workers, and it was, they were really good too. Yeah, the Beta still come up with some pretty great shows. You know, I'm in charge of Tiger Tunes now, so they'll ask me, you know, what's the best show you're seeing come through? And I'll always say, oh, this beta show is going to be really good. And then sometimes they goof around and, you know, don't get all the points they, they need by being goofy, but, man, they've got some great themes and some great guys in there. Uh, it, it is uh, so impressive to see where Tiger Tunes started, literally, because it was my first, my, my freshman year is when they started it, and what it is now, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, some pretty great OSF members with some great vision there. I mean, I can't imagine something like that just starting from the ground up today, but they just really had some some foresight there. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite Washtaw memory, something that stands out of like your favorite moment during your time here? I'm sure there's tons, but is there something that stands out? There's so many of them. There's so many of them. Probably some of the, some of the best memories that you have uh, are watching the uh, – uh, the soap opera at lunch. I, I, I think they still do that. I wonder if they still do that. I mean, every day at lunch in the OC Bailey lobby, there would be 50 of us piled up watching uh, soap operas. You know, uh, those were wonderful, great memories of that that we had. I loved all of my memories with my social club, uh, doing parades, building floats. Oh, those were awesome. I don't know if they still do that or not. Well, I guess they don't anymore because Tiger Tunes is at homecoming. Right, yeah. Those were some phenomenal memories of us all working hard together and producing something that was just really, really a lot of fun. Um, I know you said that, uh, you know, Margaret Wright was a huge influence on you. Any other professors that you, that stood out to you and that really made a difference in your life? That was the English teacher, the Betty McComas. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed, she always stuck out to me. Um, she challenged us, and uh, I, I can vividly remember her talking about how sometimes as you're learning and experiencing uh, and being educated, that what it does for you is it, it leads you to see so many different ways sometimes to getting to some place, and it's very difficult sometimes to make those right choices on the path that you choose, uh, but that always stuck with me, a lot of her conversations around that. 
Of course, Dean Dixon was around when he was there. And, uh, you know, that leadership uh, was always just wonderful. But will remind us how we can get involved. Where do we go? What's the website? How can we help you in your work there? Love to have you. Uh, ArkansasFoodBank.org. That's the uh, website. You can volunteer there. You can give gifts there. You can always pick up the phone and call me. I'm always available. Uh, I'd love to see more of my uh, wonderful Washtenaw friends uh, out here. I've been real pleased. I've been able to get involved with Terry People. She was in my uh, social club class when we pledged together and have been thrilled to get involved with some of the work that she's doing at Washtenaw. And uh, just, you know, being at a point in my life to give back more to those things. Love being involved with Washtenaw also. I love to have you here, and I love being involved with y'all. That's great. Well, we uh, appreciate all you do for Washaw. We're thankful for you. We're super proud of all the work you're doing in the middle of this pandemic. So thank you for the way you're representing Washaw and Christ and all the work that you're doing. We just appreciate it so much. Well, it's been lovely to talk to you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be an OBU grad. I appreciate all the things that the Lord has done in my life over the years. And um, just glad to be a part of it. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking some time and your busy uh, day there to join us. We appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes.